Well, welcome everybody to volume zero of the Dropping Keys podcast. Yes, volume zero. This is ground zero, the origin of the Big Bang, the very beginning of conversations with real people living real lives to glean their insights and keys to life, leadership, love, and whatever else we get into. I'm Joel Morgan. I'm your host and um, the head of Key Exploration. Well, why Dropping Keys? In a few moments, you'll hear a poem by Sufi mystic Hafez uh, that is the inspiration uh, for this podcast. Why me? Well, I'm a writer, I'm a coach, uh, I'm a wisdom sharer, and I'm a seeker of keys that unlock meaning and purpose for our lives. And to be really honest, I've listened to a lot of podcasts, and I'm really no longer attracted to the superstars, quote unquote, of our time. I've heard enough from them. I want to hear from real people, the people that are in the arena, that are, that, you know, that are given their heart, their soul, their work to work and family and community. And, and I wanted to talk to people from all kinds of different backgrounds and all kinds of different businesses or, and retired and, and still in school and all that. So that's, that's where we're going with this. And so, and I didn't hear those voices out there. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't hear those kinds of folks being lifted up in, in podcasts and I wanted, I wanted to bring them to you. And, and selfishly, I wanted an excuse to ask some great questions and plumb the depths of what gives others life, uh, releases them from the cages in which they find themselves. Uh, because I'm, I've, I've been blessed in many ways to have people drop keys for me and you'll begin to understand what that means uh, here in a moment. Well, today, we're in for a treat here at Ground Zero, Volume Zero, Ground Zero, the origin of the Big Bang, because we are starting off with a tremendous bang. Uh, my Dropping Keys co-conspirator is Valley Haggard. Valley is a, she's a writer and a teacher based in Richmond, Virginia. She founded an organization called the Richmond Young Writers back in 2009, which is a powerful, powerful group of folks who, who guide young writers and it's just a wonderful organization. And she leads creative nonfiction marathons. She does workshops, she has ret retreats. She's also the founder of something that I think is really awesome and fascinating has taken on some new life and different life here recently. It's called life in 10 minutes. I have been, I've been in her classes before where we free write for 10 minutes and then we read our writing immediately to one another and the only person who gets to comment on it is Valley. And it is, I just can't explain how powerful these classes are. And she's, she's also, so she's been doing that and Life in 10 Minutes has taken on some more life. It's become a publishing house. It's, it's got a bunch of other things going, but she's also the, the author of the Halfway, Halfway House for Writers and of Surrender Your Weapons, Writing to Heal. And she's the co-editor of Nine Lives, a Life in 10 Minutes Anthology. And all of those are worth your time if you're interested in reading people's creative nonfiction. There's a, there's a ton of great writing in those. And the Halfway House for Writers is, I still go back to it on a regular basis. I have it in the journal that I use right now, the, the, like the top, the, the top 10 things. I forget what they, what they are, but I, but I have that in there. And so in my opinion, and of course it's the one that matters since I'm behind the microphone, is that Valley's superpower is the ability to create community. And I mean real community, a, a community of safety, a community of support, a community of deep love, uh, wherever she finds herself, but especially, especially among writers. And so I'm, I'm just deeply grateful to know her, to have the experience of getting to know her, to study under her, to walk alongside of her. So 
Uh, Valley, I'm so glad uh, that you're here today for volume zero. Super excited to have you here. Wow, I am so excited and honored to be here, Joel. And what a beautiful introduction. Um, and what a beautiful premise for this podcast. I love the idea of um, holding up regular people, people who are not um, always in the spotlight, but are who are doing the real work down right in the trenches with everybody else. I think that's a brilliant idea for a podcast, and I'm so honored to be Ground Zero here with you. Yeah, yeah, this is the old, there'd never be another Ground Zero for this, so I'm, I just decided that's what we were, that's what we were doing here, because this is, this is for liftoff, so, so what I want to do, I don't want to, I don't want to get uh, get too far into any conversation because you and I can go down the rabbit hole pretty quickly. Uh, sure. But what I want to do is I'm going to read uh, dropping keys to you. Um, and, and once I'm, once I'm finished, I'm going to, I'm going to inviting you to share any first thoughts or reflections or questions that are brought to mind um, by that, by that reading. And so here it is. The small man builds cages for everyone he knows, while the sage, who has to duck his head when the moon is low, keeps dropping keys all night long for the beautiful, rowdy prisoners. Wow, I am covered in goosebumps. Um, what a really gorgeous poem, um, kind of a cone or a prayer um, combination there. And I love the illustration that went with it. Thank you so much for showing that to me as you read it. I love seeing it too. Um, I feel like some of the beauty of this poem is how many different ways it can be read um, and interpreted. I think each time you read it, you could, even though it's short and it's not complicated. It's not complex language. It feels like there's a lot to glean from it each time. Um, I love the generosity of it, the bigness of spirit, the, um, the idea of dropping keys all night long for the beautiful, rowdy prisoners, the ability to really share, not trying to um, hoard, not trying to say like, I have the secrets, I have the power, and it's all mine. Um, but this distribution of wealth, the distribution of knowledge, wealth being, um, to me, in this instance, not money, but um, wisdom, um, and the ability to maybe experience life fully, completely fully. Um, I love this sage, the sage having to duck when the moon is low, because the sage is so big, so magnificent, um, and but not too big, not too big for, to share, not too big to um, to want to reach people. Really beautiful distinction here between the small man and the sage. Mm. Love it. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, that's and it is this this. That's why it continues to capture me. Uh, I, one of the, one of the practices I've been doing is I, I, I hand write this out now every day wow. uh, just to sort of meditate on it and, and think about it, especially as, as I'm, as, as we're doing this project with, with the podcast and, and moving things forward. So what kind of, what kind of 
pages have you found yourself in? Oh gosh, <laughs> which haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> All of the human ones, you know, I think as human beings, we're um, privy, uh, subject to fall into all the traps of humanity. Um, like, um, well, being jealous, probably all the seven sins fit into this, um, hoarding or being like really angry, coveting, um, man being, gosh, I guess the jealousy keeps coming to mind. Um, also, not feeling good enough, self-hatred, um, feeling stuck or trapped by, you know, usually of my own, um, there's something that I've done to keep myself small or trapped. Addiction also creates many cages. Trauma can create cages too and those are not of our own making um but i do think we unfortunately have the responsibility to get ourselves out of those cages even if we didn't put ourselves in those particular ones um but i feel like i'm I, every day i have the opportunity to lock myself in a cage codependency um ridiculous expectations uh, trying to do what I think society thinks that I should do or be or look like. Um, there's just a million. I mean, I think we could easily get caught up and we probably do. I probably do every day. So every day it's like releasing myself from the cage <laughs> again and again and again, if I'm lucky. Yeah. Well, talk, so you, 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 you mentioned jealousy twice. So that was, I thought that was, that was, that was interesting. Yeah. That that's whatever, right. that for whatever reason that me that's too. Sort of home. So, so, but let me, so let me ask you the question. So what kind of, what kind of keys have you tried to use or have been dropped for you to, to unlock you perhaps, even if it's just momentarily from the, from the cage of jealousy? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, I think when I, mentioned jealousy, it was also kind of under the, the umbrella of a comparison. Like when we compare ourselves to other people and find that we fall short. And um, it's, it's so easy to do that um, when we don't love ourselves, when we're not fully living um, out what's inside of us. And so every time I go outside to try to find what I'm looking for, I'm going to fall into jealousy or comparison. Um, but when I go inside and I just keep my focus there on continuing to look for what is locked up inside of me, um, that's where I find my peace. That's where I find my riches. And then comparison falls away. It really does. Like I used to be so jealous of every published author and famous people because I felt like they had found like the key to, to all happiness and success and everything good. Um, and doing my own work, the work has been the reward. Doing my own work has, has helped all of that. Um, well, it's helped me really find peace. And it's not about doing the work other people have set out to do for themselves. It's doing the work that I need to do for me. And it's different for each of us. So we can't really follow anybody's path or footsteps. Mm. 
Yeah, it's interesting. It's I find it interesting that you that you say that. In that, what's so what's so interesting to me is we all think we're special snowflakes with our pain. Right. You know that that we're the only one who's ever felt that pain, and we and I think we like you said with the comparison. Like when we look at other people, we think, well, they don't. That person doesn't have any pain. That person doesn't have any baggage. That person doesn't have any anxiety, or or they're not worried about their body, or or whatever. And <clears throat> And, and you and I both know that's just not true. Everybody, everybody carries something. Absolutely. And, and so, yeah. And so when we're, when we compare ourselves to them, we're, we're, we're comparing ourselves to some version of them that we see and that we've created. Um, and so we're not, so we're not unique in that, but I believe, and this is something I, I just, I believe is that you've got to find your own path. Yeah. I mean, you can copy the masters, you can try their program, you can do that, but, but ultimately you've got to own you and you got to help, you got to figure out you and people can drop keys for you, you know, and you can pick up some things, but you got to try it on and see if it works, you know, and you got to morph it for yourself. That's just sort of my, my observations on that. No, it's true. And it's such, it's such a cliche and probably would have at different times in my life made me so angry. Be yourself. And it's like, well, how the hell do I do that? Right, right. Um, so it's like, a, it's something that you have to practice over and over and over and over and over and over again. And sometimes being myself is not fun. Sometimes it's awful, but I have to stay true to it. Um, and um, that's true. I, I learned so much from other people, um, but I can't replicate anyone else's life and find my own life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's part of it in the comparison and in the jealousy of it is, Oh, I mean, you know, especially like for guys, a lot of the time it's uh, that car or, or that girlfriend or that wife or, or lover, whatever we have, you know, Oh, I I want that. Well, we have no idea what goes along (laughs) with any of that. And, and sometimes you get underneath and you're like, Oh, I don't want that at all. Because there's so way too much trouble there for me, or, or it's not me, you know, or I'll never forget a, a good friend of mine. Uh, he had, he'd wanted a Porsche ever since he saw Risky Business, right? <laughs> you know, Tom Cruise yeah. riding in the Porsche, the whole thing. So he wanted a Porsche. So here, so he's, I think he was about 40 years old, done quite well for himself, orders a brand new Porsche. It gets delivered. And he's thinking, yeah, man, when I ride around, people are going to be loving me. Well, he realized really quickly people hated him. <laughs> I mean, people were throwing daggers with their eyes every time he'd drive by, you know, and yeah. he was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize it was going to be like this. Like, I love the car, but I, this is just weird. You know, it was really, that was really interesting. The things that we think are going to be life-giving and wonderful often turn out to be, especially if they're external, turn out right. to be not so great. It's so true. Um, so, so who, so who are, who are some people in your life that you're, that you can talk about who have dropped keys for you, who've, who've been, who've been some Oof. version of the sage who, who've really uh, mentored you or brought you along or just maybe, in, maybe even inadvertently, maybe they were re- sort of reverse sages. You saw what they were doing. You're like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know? Right. Gosh. So, so, so many, Joel. I mean, I've been so blessed have so many um, beautiful and powerful people in my life. Um, starting with my parents, They've, they're both very strong individuals. Um, 
they've both followed their passions. They're both artists, um, very create, highly creative people and very spiritual people too. So I've learned so much from both my mother and my father. Um, also, I'd say early on, along with my parents, were writers, authors. They are how I learned about the world. They are the authors I loved taught me everything, like about who I wanted to be, um, about how the world worked, what the world looked like. So I worshipped writers. Writers were my heroes. Like they were the superstars and the um, they were like rock stars to me. And um, you know, they were Marvel and DC <laughs> were the, the authors in my life. So I've, and, and that continues to be true. I learn so much from um, writers and also musicians and artists of all kinds, but writing has resonated with me probably the most deeply for the longest. Um, so I have so much gratitude to creative people who've been willing to put their work out into the world. Um, also people in recovery, people who um, have been sober and helped me find my path in sobriety and my path um, through recovery from so many different kinds of addictive behaviors, including people who've helped me with codependency and um, just other addictive behavioral <laughs> deeply embedded issues like that. So I've had so many um, um, beloved sponsors and mentors and guides along the way. Um, I've been very blessed. Yeah. Do, do you find, do you find that some cages that I, and cause I think my reading of the poem at many times is that the small man is really the small human, which is really me. Mm, is the mm -hmm. one who builds the cage for myself. Yes. And then I put other people in cages too, in my own mind. But do you find that there, that there are some of these cages that we put ourselves in that just, they've got a more difficult lock? Oh, yeah. Yes, that's a great point. And some of them we get out, then we jump back in. It's like, jump out, jump back in. Yeah, I think so. And they're probably... Um, probably related to our deepest and earliest woundings, the ways we were wounded um, as children. Um, those are probably the cages with the hardest locks to, or keys to find. Um, and, and addiction is sticky too. I mean, any kind of addiction wants to keep you in a cage and wants to draw you and seduce you back in over and over and over again. So breaking um, like breaking, literally breaking the chains of addiction, breaking those doors open, um, takes, well, I would say an act of God. Um, it's almost bigger than the human will. Um, yeah, I think there are some things, um, you know, that I've healed from that I've been able to let go and, and many, many things that I heal from in layers. So maybe like, I stick my toe out of the cage and then my whole foot and then my leg, you know, it's a process. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with um, being able to show who you really are and to be vulnerable and authentic can happen in layers. Like we can peel off um, some of the false self layer by layer. 
it might not happen all in one false swoop. Like we just jump out and there we are. Yeah. 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 I mean the, the, um, the, um, the religious experience of, Oh, I was down in the gutter and I was doing drugs and then uh, somebody read the Bible to me and now I'm saved and I never look back. Like those stories, I mean, I, they're there, they're real for those people, but um, I've, I've met very few of them where it really, where that was really the story. It's right. more, it's more of this, I get up, I fall down, I get up, I get up, I fall down. I, you right. know, I mean, it's and, not and, the lightning strike yeah. once and done. Absolutely. Yeah. It's more yeah. the, the long, slow haul. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, so what do you, what do you attribute the, the gift of dropping keys that you have in terms of creating community, especially, especially among writers, because I know that you get that feedback quite a bit. And I know that it's hard to own that kind of feedback because it's, it is so powerful. Uh, and, but it is just true from my perspective, the, the, your ability to, to create community. So what kinds of things do you attribute that to? Well, thank you for asking, Joel. Um, you know, I've been involved in really powerful communities. Um, like I said, I have been in recovery rooms and for a couple of decades now. And so the community created in recovery spaces has really shown me a whole lot about the sanctity and the importance of finding safety and community. Um, I've also been privileged to work with women who are just expert community <laughs> creators. Um, working with with teachers, um, I have worked with teachers in a number of different settings, preschool teachers. These, this group of preschool teachers I worked with taught me so much about how one human can help another um, and how groups of humans can support um, each other. So I have seen community modeled, number one. Number two, and as far as writing is concerned, I basically followed my own pain. I followed the pain of what I didn't have and what I wanted um, because I did not feel a lot of warm comforting writing community out there. I was really kind of brought up, I believe in a kind of snobby literary tradition. Um, and not, I don't know, maybe not snobby, let's say academic and, and pretty harsh critique oriented. Um, you know, there was the high literature and low literature and it just was so apparent to me that I was I always felt like I was scrambling and trying to achieve and that I was never going to live up to this high literary standard. I just was not cut out for it. I looked up to it and, you know, it's primarily made of old dead white men too. Um, and that's, you know, who we venerate and who revere and who's held up. Um, so kind of following, like I said, my own pain and what I craved and missed, I really wanted warmth and support and love and to be guided gently. And I had a mentor who is fabulous in a million ways, but she was not gentle. She was very old school. She was pretty harsh. She, I think, you know, it was tough love in her eyes, but to me it was, it felt like being whipped with a 
chain. Like it hurts. Her, her feedback hurt so bad. I felt like I would limp, limp back to her. And eventually I couldn't do it anymore. And that's around the time that I, I started teaching. I was like, I do not want anyone to feel the kind of pain about their writing because writing is vulnerable. Writing takes a lot of courage and to tell our, you know, to expose yourself, to show where you are as a writer and who you are as a human being is such a big act of courage. And to be told that's not even a first draft, you really need to travel. All of these things, I, you know, I have them categorized, the things that were said to me that were really harsh and painful about my writing. And so I started to create something that I would want, a place I would want to be, a community I would want um, to have for myself, which is based around the idea of strength-based feedback and of keeping all first draft work sacred and of um, encouraging what's working rather than pulling out and pointing out everything that isn't working and bringing that to the surface, bringing to the surface, highlighting what is beautiful within a piece. Um, and it's easy for me to do, I found. There might, people might share pieces that are not my style of writing, that um, I might not seek out, that maybe need work, but I somehow have been given the ability to find within a piece the thing, the, the heartbeat within a piece. So concentrating on that, finding the heartbeat. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I really, I, I would agree. I would agree with that, that I, I, and I love that um, finding the heartbeat because that is in my experience of you has, has definitely been that like, like you can, you, you just, you cut right to the heart of it. Like, and you find, you find that kernel, even if it's two words that, you know, of a, of, of a writing, um, that from the writer's perspective is, is just gobbledygook. You, you find two words that went together and you're like, wow, that's something. <laughs> those two words. I want to hear, I want to hear more yeah. about those two words. Right. And that is such a, it's such a freeing, it is, it's an unlocking thing because, because you know, as a writer and I know as a writer that you, you write and in, in, in that rough draft, you know, you, you got all kinds of emotions going on and it's hard to, to identify like, Oh, is any of this good? Like, I really just want to trash this. Yeah. And, and maybe it is trash worthy, but, but what I love is that, is that, is that you, you're able to create this thing of, of, of finding the heartbeat. I really love, I love that phrase. Uh, so yes. Much. Thank you, Joel. I think the other thing is I had this horror that I had wasted um, so much time and so much writing, like I had written, you know, many books worth volumes of pages. And the idea of all of that being wasted was too painful. So I had to reframe it. And I, and, and in doing so, I found what is true for me now that nothing is wasted, that everything that's written, everything we write, um, brings us to the next place we need to be. So much of our writing is a bridge. We're, we're creating bridges all the time. Now, it might not be writing that we um, choose to publish or that holds its own weight by itself, but it, it still was necessary to bring us on to that next level. So again, going to where my own pain was, um, anytime I would 
to like reach in and find something that hurt. I'm like, okay, how can we work with this? How can we use this to our advantage? So um, I think what happens in, in my workshops, and it, and it was actually one of my students who called um, my class a halfway house for writers. That, hadn't, that didn't come from me. Um, he said that it was very much, it felt that way to him. And I realized as writers, we have a lot of wounding at least 99% of the writers I meet tend to have a lot of wounding around writing um, and baggage that we carry because we have been judged. We have been criticized and it might've started ex com coming from an external place, but we internalize it so quickly and our own internal judge and critic gets so loud and vicious, loud and vicious. And so really the healing that happens for me, um, the way in which we're rehabilitated is in how we speak to ourselves and how we address our own writing. Um, so through this whole process of teaching creative nonfiction, the whole process has been a healing for me because I did come in very wounded. Um, I started the process with the loudest critic, um, the biggest judge, the meanest editor. And um, and as I've been working with other people, they've helped heal me and we've all helped each other heal as we go through the process together. Yeah. And I'd like to, I'd like to add that I, um, as I was reflecting on preparing for our conversation over the past, I would say two and a half, maybe three years, I've, I've, I've noticed what, what feels like to me a bit of a shift mm. in your published writing. Oh, that it, that it, it, that it, um, while it still brings up often painful, troubling things or, or just, and sometimes just wacky, crazy things that happen, <laughs> but it's, it, it just, it just seems like as we started out, as we started out, uh, talking uh, a little bit earlier, um, that, that there's, there's, there's a little more lightness and joy in mm. every piece. And that's just, again, a sort of a, I'm, I'm not reading every single piece you're publishing, but, but as I've read them, it just, it just, it feels like there are some things in you that have, that have healed, that have been coming together. And, and that gift is now coming out into the world in a more powerful way. Oh, um, you're such a keen observer, Joel. I'm really honored by your close reading because that is, that's very true. Things definitely have healed. Um, and it's kind of the chicken or the egg. It's hard to say if the writing process has healed me or if my life getting better has healed the writing process. But I think they're very inextricably woven together. Honestly, the writing has helped. It's helped me work through issues in my life um, in order to live more authentically and joyfully. And, and um, as my life has improved, there's more joy in my writing. So they, yeah, they're definitely wed. And thank you for observing that. Yeah, no, it's just, it's been, it's been really, really interesting just to, to observe um, a little bit from afar since I haven't been able to, to write with you um, for a couple of years. But well, so here's a little, a little bit of a different question. What have been some keys that you discarded because they didn't serve you anymore? That at one time, maybe they served you, but that you had to, you had to move on you had to move on from them, that they, that they unlocked something for a time, but then 
but, but then they, they really weren't of use. And so you were oh, able yes. to let, let them go. That's a great question too. I think that would be all of the survival skills <laughs> that we learn, right? Um, in a way, like people pleasing, like being overly nice, mm. overly solicitous, doing everything for everyone else. That probably helped me survive in different instances in my life. And I definitely have come to see how that no longer served me. Um, overdoing over scheduling. Um, there have been times where taking on every single thing I could and saying yes to everything in the world felt like that was serving me and, and then it ceased <laughs> serving me and I had to really discern what I was capable of doing and what I wasn't. Learning how to say no has been huge. Um, um, oh, and, and you know, some of the obvious crutches of addiction, like drugs and alcohol. I do think they helped. I, I think they helped me. They served a need as the young person that I was that was looking for peace and escape and connection and fitting in and all that stuff, but they did not continue to serve. Um, so letting those things go, even though they felt like the key to heaven, <laughs> bliss, ecstasy, escape, all that stuff. They, they stopped working. Um, there's probably a really long list, if I were to keep thinking very deeply about it, of things that I've had to um, kind of let go of. One for me is at, like trying to be an academic literary writer. Um, I'm so glad I studied literary greats and um, you know, studying in academia, but the truth is trying to force myself into that genre or category was never really going to work for me. So letting go of that, just saying, um, well, this is who I am and this is what I'm doing. So I'm going to let go of the idea of becoming Dostoevsky or James Joyce or Kafka or like there's, you know, the million others. Yeah. I think it's mm -hmm. interesting you just named a bunch of old white men. I know, <laughs> Isn't right? Isn't that funny that those, uh, those occupy? Especially they do. For those, especially for those of us who studied, who studied writing and who studied literature that I mean, yes. at a certain time, <laughs> maybe changing now, but. Right. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. yeah. Well, so for, for you right now in your life, what, what, what's the most important key that you've been, that you're using now? Oh, that's a big question. And I think um, oh, uh, this, this one I think is probably one that will be repeated many times as your podcast continues, but I think it's got to be for me at this moment, at least at this hour um, that we're talking, is telling the truth following the thread of the truth, whether it's in my writing, in my relationships, um, in um, my day-to-day, -day, like what's the truth for me right now and trying to stay true to myself. Um, that That's definitely a, a huge... Um, a huge element and I can't always do it perfectly. Absolutely. I mean, you know, there are ways in which I'm still sometimes not truthful to myself or 
um, or to others, but I keep trying to recalibrate and come back in closer and closer. Another one, I guess, and this isn't fair because you didn't say I could have two, <laughs> but would be in having faith and having faith and just taking, whether it's blind leaps of faith or small daily acts of faith, um, and faith in faith in myself, faith in, for me, um, a higher power, which is sometimes nature, sometimes the universe, sometimes Jesus, Buddha. I don't know. There's an ever-changing face and name to that <clears throat> entity for spirit, but having, having that faith in something other than just my own mind is critical and essential for me. Yeah. I didn't say you, you couldn't have... I mean, I said which one's the most important. Those two could be right up next to each other. I don't know. So, what I what, so I want to I want to go back. So, when you say telling the truth, is there a is there an example of of that that you might be willing to share about what that means? Like specifically, I mean, it can be big and it can be small. Um, really, when I sit down to write, I try to look for like what truth is lurking down there, and it might honestly, it might be just the truth that I'm tired. I have. Also, I mean, there have been bigger truths that have had to come out, things that have been <clears throat> like that I've been lying about or that I've been kind of sneaking around with or keeping from other people. And um, that has had to come out. And, it, and a lot of it's come out on the page in those blog posts that you're referring to. Um, but not every single bit of it has. But if it has to come out at least between me and one other person, because if I'm keeping things that are, I, I almost see it as little snakes that start to slither around, and I can't live with that for very long. Um, number one, I'd have no poker face. Anything that's going on with me shows up <laughs> in my expression and in my mood. So I'm terrible at hiding things anyway, but... Um, I don't know. And, and it's such a lofty sounding thing following the truth, but I, I think it's actually really simple. And what I've started to believe in my writing classes and what makes good writing isn't beautiful language or like perfect format or following a narrative arc so much as just that desire to tell the truth, to be honest. And it could, it could be very simple. Um, it could just be not knowing something. Um, it could be feeling like shit, you know, and, and at a time when we want to feel good or, I mean, it's kind of not fronting, <laughs> not faking, um, not just saying I'm fine when that's not really what's going on underneath. So. Yeah. 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 Well, so uh, uh, my last or my last question was going to be if you could drop a key right now if you if you could imagine yourself as you're 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 the sage who you know when the moon is low you've got to mm -hmm. bend your head and you got a bunch of beautiful rowdy prisoners down there who've who've locked themselves up or been locked up by other people what what might you want to say to them yeah okay this is this is what it what's coming to me do whatever it takes to figure out how to love yourself. Learn how to love yourself. Quit everything else you're doing. 
do not pass go, do not collect $200. Um, quit your job, divorce your spouse, whatever. If that's going to help you love yourself. Um, that's been probably the most critical lesson of my life. Turning point of my life is, is, you know, and it was almost like I could almost see a curriculum for it. And like the day it started where I was like, I am going to start, I'm going to learn how to love myself. And it might have felt fake and weird and insincere and crazy, but it has brought the biggest changes about in my life. And, um, and again, it all sounds like a cliche and I guess cliches are cliches for a reason. Um, one of the things that I've learned to do is ask myself, what's the most loving thing that I can do for myself right now? And that has gotten me, um, through some really hard times and, um, and rough situations and, um, and I think if we can learn to love ourselves, everything else kind of falls into place. To tie it back to writing, I think as we learn to accept our writing, we learn to accept ourselves. As we learn to accept ourselves, we learn to accept our writing. And we can even add love in there. We start to love ourselves. We start to love our writing and vice versa. Um, so learning to accept yourself as a writer is a great key to learning to accept and love yourself as a human being. Mm, I, I love that. And I, and I, and the thing is, I know, I know how hard it is for so many people to, to do that. Even to say those words, it is, I should love myself. I, that, yep. I, I've worked with many people as a coach and, um, and, and all that who just, they're just, they're just like, I know, I know I'm supposed to love myself. I know. I don't love myself. I know. And it's just such a, it's such an interesting thing that then that, cause that really, I mean, that was that was a drop right there. I mean, that's a that, yeah. that's that's, that's, that's a key drop. We're gonna instead of a mic drop, we're gonna do key drops. Around <laughs> here. And, I love uh, it. And here and here at Ground Zero, that's the one that dropped was do whatever you have to do to learn to love yourself. Yeah. That's that's an amazing that's an amazing key. I, I I love it, and I think it's a it's a great place to sort of segue to our to our wrap up um, awesome. here today. I, I I really I can't wait to go back and listen to this. I can't wait to go back and listen to this. I'm just, I'm just, I am. I'm just, I'm in awe of, of, you know, what's happened here at, in uh, volume zero and what, what you've shared today, just the, the, our, the conversation that we've had. And if you're, if you're listening to this or when you're listening to this, uh, take a moment to ch check out lifein10minutes.com. And that's all written out, lifein10minutes.com to know more about Valley, to know, know more about her work. Um, you can sign up to receive some, they'll, they, they'll say she sends out writings and sometimes you get writings from students too on the life in 10 minutes blog. And oh. so it's really great to see uh, what people are doing. And so I, I just, I'm so blessed and I want to, uh, thank you so much for being my, my volume zero dropping keys podcast co-conspirator. <laughs> I love all that. So oh. I just, uh, I just thought, and I just want to, I want to wish you peace and shalom and may, may you be made whole. I love that about Shalom. May you be made whole. Uh, may the sage drop the key to unlock the cages in which you find yourselves. Thank you so much, Joel. What an honor to be here with you. <laughs>